The best advice I can give myself as a dad is to believe in your impossibles. Welcome to the Dedicated.com podcast. I'm stoked to have you on. Thank you. I'm Philip Hartmann and I became a dad of twins and triplets in a mere 13 months. Yep, you heard that right. 13 months, twins and triplets and still alive and kicking. And I love it. My sessions are always a heart-to-heart -heart conversation between two dads, myself and my guests, who are sometimes very well known, sometimes totally not. What they all have in common is that they stepped up from being a father to being a dad, and they all share their own experience and learnings. Our goal with the show is to learn all there is about being a dad, and of course we want to inspire other dads and mums in an effort to help facilitate family success. I believe ultimately this will contribute to making the world a better place. If you like this and want to become part of this conversation, I encourage you to share this content, subscribe to the show and let us know your thoughts. You can do so by sending us an email via dedicated.com or just leave a review. Thank you. You can also book me for a keynote on building successful families. Just go to dedicated.com. And with this, please enjoy the show. Thank you so much. My next dad, Ben Richter, is an amazing man, an amazing dad, and even more amazing entrepreneur. He is the father of seven from two marriages, and he's learned to navigate the complexities of blending different family cultures with multiple children of different ages. Ben has built one of the premier airport logistics companies in the world, and he's managed to develop effective habits for balancing his work life and his family life. He emphasizes the importance of being fully present for our children by minimizing phone time and work time when you're together. In this session, we discuss various valuable principles of fatherhood. Ben shares how he implemented checkmark systems from a relatively young age to teach children to consciously reflect on their behavior in a tangible and quantifiable way. It is really interesting. He explains how building positive communicative habits in our own and our children's everyday lives yield extraordinary results and that difficulties are inevitable, but learning how to respond to them is what really counts. Ben is truly inspirational in terms of his own outlook on life and on what he's achieved as a father and businessman, and I thoroughly enjoyed our session together. The most powerful takeaways for me as a dad were Teaching children to exercise gratitude is a powerful way to influence their ability to respond to and to evaluate their daily lives. Focusing on incremental improvement on our performance as a parent is hugely rewarding. Rather than focusing on missteps and regretting mistakes, immediately focus on being the best version of yourself as soon as you walk in the door and be with your children. Daily and weekly recaps with a quantifiable checkmark system can ingrain lasting positive behaviors in children. To be honest, I was on the fence about checkmarks for a long time, but I have to say Ben's perspectives made a lot of sense to me and I've implemented a few of his ideas at home. So far, it works really well. If you find these concepts interesting, I recommend you read The Entitlement Trap, How to Rescue Your Child with a New Family System of Choosing, Earning and Ownership by Linda Iyer and Richard, Richard Iyer. It's a New York bestseller. It's a really good book. It goes well together with this podcast and the concepts described 
and uh, are quite complementary and valuable. Right. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the session. Please have fun. If you like, please share. Thank you. Ben, I'm super stoked to have you on. Thank you so much for taking time today. You're quite welcome, Philip. I'm pleasure to be here. Thank you. So just as a quick background, and maybe then you can elaborate on it more. I know that you've been married twice. You have three boys from your first marriage. Uh, you have two more kids with your second wife. And uh, it's a freshman, uh, a senior, a sixth grader, and a two-and-a-half-year-old, a, a one-year-old. And now you guys are expecting a baby girl. Congratulations. Super stoked for that. Yeah, um, number six. Six. Crazy. I know. You, so you won up from me. <laughs> um, I know that you are a very, very successful entrepreneur who built one of the premier airport logistics companies in the world. And I also know that you're a super devoted father. We've had extensive calls before and it was very, very inspirational for me. I know you've given your fathering actually um, a lot of thoughts and the role model you want to be. So it would be great if you can share your systems. Um, you yep. literally said the last time, if I remember correctly, you said um, you were you were afraid to mess it up and you didn't have a manual. And so you developed your own system or, or took over parts of a system that you had and then you developed it further, family mission and vision. And I've seen that and it was quite impressive for me. So I think maybe we can do start with two main topics. Maybe you can, well, actually three. Maybe you can share a little bit about your own dad, how you grew up, then Uh, going through your own being a father yourself, first marriage, uh, maybe what you've learned from that second marriage, um, because there's a obviously a change. You had to learn to become a dad all over again, right? When you had children the second time, so to speak. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about the systems that you're running with the family, because I thought they were actually quite quite amazing. And maybe you can share a bit with the listeners on that. Yeah, sure. First thing I want to do is pay homage Uh, to Warren Rustan for making an introduction to us. And the whole notion of having candid conversations with unique dads to empower fathers with tools uh, is an extraordinary journey you're on, Philip. And I want to thank you for being invited to share that journey with others. Uh, it's how we learn and grow together. And I think the work you're doing is exceptional. Thank you. And thank you for sitting with us today. Yeah, by all means. So to kind of start out, I think part of my purposeful journey of trying to be an amazing dad started with an amazing dad. And when you go back and trying to fill shoes that seem to be very large, magnanimous, and um, oftentimes uh, seemingly easy, you quickly realize uh, nothing happens by accident And you really need to be intentional in all aspects of your life, especially in parenting. And there are a number of skills and tools you learn from observation. And then there are those, the minute you start contemplating having your first child, it sort of dawns on you that um, there is no manual for this thing we call parenting. <laughs> and uh, more importantly, if you have the background that I do, where I'm an engineer a few times by education, you have to have a systemized process or it just doesn't work. And I went on a quest to learn where everywhere. So along the journey, I discovered many mentors. And one of them I'll reference is Richard and Linda Iyer, and that's E-Y-R-E. -E. And they have some 60 books on parenting. But at the time, What was really resonating with me was their focus on ensuring that kids develop values. 
And those values, in essence, are used for them to make discrete good decisions that lead to positive behaviors and outcomes. And it sounds like a simple formula, but obviously there's a lot that goes into making all of that happen. And the more I discovered that if you focus on values, that all of a sudden you can promote great behaviors and those will lead to terrific outcomes. And the reason I use outcome rather than success or failure is outcomes are both. And what we as parents need to do is not get hung up on being so braggadocious about all the great things kids do. They are this or they achieve this. Us entrepreneurs are just overachievers and we get hung up on uh, my kid needs to be defined by how many accolades or awards or he's the number one in this. And I think that that's not the right approach. I think the right approach is to celebrate outcomes, both success and failures equally. And I would also tell you in the entrepreneur world, I could sit with a Philip and he would describe to me all of the failures he's had that has made him the man he is today. And that would be an intriguing conversation for me. But if I sat there and he was just braggadaciously going through all of his successes, I think I'd get bored quickly. I also would recognize that that is not what made him the man he is today. It were the missteps. It was the micro failures. It was the outcomes that weren't intended, but you embraced them, learned from them, and then grew. And I think as parents, we ought not be the instructor. We should act more like a moderator. And we ask great questions and provide sort of guidance to allow this amazing individual to blossom and learn from their outcomes using great values to make good decisions. So using that as a backdrop of a narrative, I recognized almost reverse engineered the things my father did for me to influence me. And uh, my mother was a significant role in my life and, uh, and was my father, but I know we're focused on dads here, but I don't want to leave her out. She was sort of the people person, uh, had the sort of emotional wherewithal to kind of be able to read situations and people. And when I came to some heartfelt thing that really needed uh, a gentle touch, it was typically my mom who I'd go to. But my father was this consistent voice of reason. Uh, He uh, always seemed to ask me great questions and leave it to me to answer them. And I didn't always want that. I sometimes just wanted, give me the, give me the solution. And uh, often he made me work for it. I've later learned that that working for it is so vitally important that another really amazing book, The Entitlement Trap, which is we gain and garner a certain level of success in our lives and we want our children to not have to go through the hardships we had, Uh, those hardships are where all the magic happens. When we take away those uh, difficult journeys, we take away their experience in building confidence in gaining insight in sort of developing. And the more we take away, uh, the more likelihood is we're going to extend the the necessary lessons it takes to mature and develop in increasingly amazing ways. So all of these things we've kind of learned along the way. And um, my journey in this started with really uh, 
an interesting deep dive into value development. And at a very young age, I started aligning uh, the kids with simple techniques to really think about values in almost every activity they did. And it started with the littlest ones, you know, Richard and Linda told me immediately, you know, don't start all this stuff until they're about five, six or seven. And of course the overachiever at three starts with a little whiteboard <laughs> on a refrigerator to earn yeah. check marks, you know? And, uh, mm. the first thing I attacked was this thing called whining. And, um, so mm. I can just remember as there, and I'm, I'm, I'm right now on round two of little ones. So I'm pulling back all the old stuff and getting to reuse it. I'm a lot better too, because I've been through it once. And now I kind of know exactly this roadmap worked I'm, and I've refined it along the way. So in the early days, it was just little things like you would reward poo poo in the potty. You know, I remember my littlest one sitting on a toilet and I'd hear it echoing across the room. I'm done, which was his indication for me to come and finish it up. And uh, I also want you to know that um, the alignment of incentives are really great. Kids don't actually know I'm learning values. Yeah, I don't actually have to talk to them about what the word peaceability means or, you know, some of our family mantras. They learn it because each day we talk about things like every day, what did you do kind for your brother or your sister? And it's a conversation. So if they don't have anything to say, the very next day is, boy, before we get to the dinner table, I better figure out what I'm going to do kind for my brother or my sister today, or I won't have that answer. Uh, and if I don't get the answer, I won't get the little star or the check mark. And ultimately, you're aligning the value with behaviors, and they get to kind of report back on it. And it may sound simplistic, but it's really quite golden. You do this 365 days a year, and you embed these values, you embed behaviors and think about it every single day. Uh, I guarantee you uh, post childhood in they're thinking, what can I do for someone else other than myself? Think they, not me. Um, these are just vital and unbelievably great habits that you formulated back when they were young. And even things like fiscal responsibility, uh, check marks at about the age of eight, we convert to currency and they get a little bank account. And if they save a certain amount of these check marks, uh, they get a bonus. Because when I learned first is when we first started doing check marks, uh, ultimately uh, the kids on Friday, which was payday, we'd evaluate all the check marks they got for the week. They would spend like drunken sailors on a Friday and uh, there'd be no check marks by Saturday morning. And of course, it was their money. So they had an opportunity to uh, spend it as they like. And the parameters we put on it, it just had to be safe and it had to um, be appropriate, age appropriate. But apart from that, they got to spend. And the minute they realized it was their money, imagine going to a store and you're 10 year old is looking at the price of something and says, you know, that's just not worth it and puts it back on the shelf. And you're looking over mm -hmm. at the other 10 year old who's screaming at the mom or dad, please buy this for me. And my conversation was very different. Would you like that? Sure. How many check marks do you got? Good. You think it's a good price? Yeah, great. Okay. And very different behavior. And I kind of have to, sometimes I look at it and giggle and I'd said, you know, 
we got that one right, you know, and, mm. uh, and even I, as a kid probably resembled the child I was ridiculing a minute ago and not the current uh, child I'm upbringing and we can do it better and differently. And for me, my recipe for the boys and girls in my life, my children uh, has very little to do with, uh, you know, if they choose a path of Ivy league school and grandeur entrepreneurism, I certainly would be a happy dad. That's a fantastic lofty goal. But if they choose something else that is in their heart, as long as I see that they practice every day being a wholesome individual and are true to their values and have some sense of purpose and are on a trajectory to be a great influencer in the world, uh, I think for me, that's the measurement of success. And I think we often project a lot on our kids and it doesn't have to be pressure rich. Happiness should happen each and every moment of every day. It's not some destination tied to some success. Uh, it's the joys of life and family should be enjoyed like every breath of air. And you, you have to live life like you're not going to have another breath at every moment. And it's a state of mind that I also think is super important for parents to get right. Almost everything that you do is being watched, interpreted, and to some extent either mimicked or disposed of. And I think there are a ton of things that I have learned and garnered from my parents that I definitely wanted to replicate. And there were a lot of things that I didn't. So I won't focus on those because I really want to focus on the things that folks can use uh, tender and take away from our conversation today. But one of the things I told my dad as dad, you're crazy to have six kids, four boys, two girls. <laughs> I will never do that. Now look at me now. I am four <laughs> boys and two girls, one on the way. And it's the exact composition that I said I would never do. And of course, here we are. And of course, my wife has a mom who has two girls and one boy, and she has now two girls and a boy. I think this is serendipity playing out for the both of us. So Mackenzie <laughs> and I are super happy, all kidding aside. Obviously, I'm not touched. I just love kids. And, mm. uh, and I love Mackenzie, and what we're building together is extraordinary. And... Um, let me know if you'd like me to continue a little on this journey of check marks. No, continue, I think, please. You yeah. go. Yeah. So as the kids evolved, we evolved the checkmark journal uh, to be sort of our daily and the kids, even all the way through high school, uh, up until the point they ran off to college, continued to advance this list. And it really starts out with um, a preamble. Uh, and the preamble... I hate to say it, you know, live on a podcast, but it's a little bit of child brainwashing. This preamble <laughs> is nothing more than setting the stage for a great day. But every kid, when they do their check marks, has to recite this aloud. And unfortunately, when you do something 365 days a year for 18 years, I'd love to tell you something's going to stick. But it's like an affirmation, but it goes like this I have given my best and then some, in the activities I participated in, identified the positives and found those lessons that can be learned from any difficulties I encounter. It really is what we call the attitude preamble. 
And in order to earn any check marks for that day, you must have maintained this attitude through the whole day, which means if you had a blow up or you really didn't behave your best or you ran into a difficulty and didn't try to find a way through it, uh, any of these things, you would have to admit, you know, dad, today I'm just not going to be qualified to earn check marks. And one of the great things is if you're honest enough to disclose, you're, you're already practicing honesty. You know, uh, there's so many value lessons. Like I, I'm going to dissect the behaviors apart to show you how we get alignment of these values together. But just a question there. If they didn't, like, I mean, we're talking now, like, let's say a five-year-old or seven-year-old, doesn't matter. There's still a young child. Right. You know, it's, it's a lot to ask for them to perform at that level every day. I mean, adults can't do it. I can't do that. Have a, the most epic, um, yeah, I don't know, attitude so what every is, day. So let me tell you what. Can you yeah. actually not yeah. earn check marks? If You can yeah. actually not earn check okay. Absolutely. This is the difference between I'm not saying that you don't have an argument with your brother and you don't get into an altercation or at some point something um, – uh, some conflict or some difficulty arises, mm -hmm. but read into this. It's how you respond to it. So let's assume we have a few simple rules that we, um, repeat often and use consistently. So in a conflict, we say, how do we solve our problems? You know, if one kid, uh, and the answer is a one word answer, it's called talking. And it's not punching your brother squarely in the face and knocking him out, even though that's what you want to. So bad attitude really talks about, yes, we had a conflict and we went through the conflict resolution process we have, which is we sat down, we talked to each other and we worked through it and we had positive attitude, even with the difficulty. I'm not, this is not suggesting you don't have difficulties and this is not suggesting you didn't have. So I did something wrong in class. Did I go home and immediately disclose it to my parents? Was I honest? Did I talk about my own faults? I mean, you can still earn check marks, but if you aren't giving your best, meaning trying your best, you really had a bad attitude. Bad attitude is I don't care. Bad attitude is I'm not willing to forgive my brother. A bad attitude would be uh, I had a conflict and I don't care what the outcome is. Um, it's really that sort of thing. And what we're really trying to pr produce here is Uh, you know, at a very young age, we answered this question, what do good boys get or girls? Well, good boys get one word answer, everything. What do bad boys get? The answer is nothing. And this promotes that. If you want to have a lousy attitude, which means I'm not going to participate, um, I am not going to give you my best self. And the best self, maybe you were in a difficult place right now. We need to have a conversation in order to resolve this problem. If you're doing that, You still earn the check mark, even though you had a, a difficult day. It's how you show up that matters. Mm. And I want okay. them to show up fully. So it's a great question, one that required some interpretation. And you keep, and this is actually great parenting. What did you do? You didn't give me the solution. You asked me the tough question, and I had to come up with an answer. It's the moderator <laughs> role. Uh, thank you for acting. Only that out I'm for not me. your dad, but it makes sense. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if it, it, it would be very hard if you have no chance other than having this amazing attitude all the time and being, but you know, if you try 
and you and that's how I'm hearing you. If you try and you actually try, that's fine. Then, you know, that's fine. But no one is picture perfect all the time. It cannot be. It's not healthy to to expect that of a child either. Yeah, and I don't think that's what we're saying here at all. And actually, yeah, yeah. the words in here, having difficulties, we expect them. Yeah, and uh, it is not that you don't have um, faults in behavior. It's just it's or it's not that you don't have things that uh, derail you. You know, things life comes at you. It's how did you respond to it? And, you know, are you giving your best or are you having uh, and it's really a non complacent act. You know, I just I don't want to participate. I don't care. I you know, and uh, it's really maintaining positivity around things that happen uh, day to day. And the kids have been really honest about it. I can tell you in with the older kids, the younger mm-hmm. kids, you know, I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old who are not yet on the checkmark journey yet, but about to be, um, you know, they have good moments and bad moments all day long, as you know. I think we heard uh, the littlest one out there. I heard some echoing through my headset. So um, <laughs> that was uh, Remington trying to participate on the call. Uh, but the, the, the key is I would probably tell you, I can't remember the last time kids came to, um, the evening check-in and, uh, confessed, I'm just had bad attitude. I want you to know it's so ingrained in what they do every day. Every time they have a challenge, it's not as if they don't have altercations or things don't happen at school. Or I, it's not that I haven't gotten a call from the principal's office. Harry went and hid in a closet as a joke to his teacher and the teacher went looking for him and told the principal and I got a phone call and at 17 years old, as a senior, he probably shouldn't be doing that. But, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't it. When he did get out, he recognized that was a silly thing to do. Apologized to all the parties told me about it the moment he got home. And I thought that was great. And what more could you ask for as a parent? Um, okay. but I will know the consistency around, uh, what's yielded as a result of having the conversations is really where the magic lies. It's just, you know, and so the modern day check mark starts with what did you do kind for others? What did you do kind for your brother? What are the things you're most grateful for from your experiences today? So gratitude is something they've practiced since they were a little kid. And I want you to know that value found its way to the form through a very difficult observation. So Harry, uh, who is my second oldest boy about to graduate from high school, when he was about, oh, I don't know, five or six, you know, we would go into a place together and have an amazing experience at, you know, a bouncy park or a, and as we're leaving, he could, uh, he could only think about I'm leaving before I wanted to leave. And the thousand amazing points of light, uh, it was that one dark moment would be the thing that would capture his attention for the remaining portion of the day I had to leave early, or this is the one bad thing that happened during our whole yeah. journey. And yeah. I kind of recognized that um, gratitude was not a natural thing for Harry. It was, you know, appreciating all the positives. So we got into a conversation about every single day doing that with him. And it became so prolific for him. We just added it to the checkmark form and um, focusing on the things you're most grateful for the day is one of the healthiest habits we have as a family. And it, it really centers uh, the kids on thinking about just the amazing uh, platitudes we have in life that happen around us every day. And it's a pause point. And, you know, some of it is just, you know, I, I'm grateful for 
you know, getting kisses from Lucky the dog or, you know, but uh, sometimes it's pretty prolific. You know, I had an amazing conversation with my teacher today and she pointed something out that is one of my unique great skills. And uh, I never knew that was uh, something people appreciated in me. Amazing piece mm. of gratitude. That's, That's powerful stuff. Yeah. Deep reflection. Uh, we also go, what did we learn today? That's a teachable something for everybody else. So there's a share there. And then there's all kinds of things from responsibility and respect. And it's just something we do as a, a daily ritual at the end of every day. And it's uh, yielded a really dramatic, um, I think, intended outcome. But the kids kind of just have gone with it. And uh, it also yields an opportunity to uh, the enticement was earning check marks, but it also learned, we learned some financial lessons along the way. Now these kids have pretty, um, relevant, uh, bank accounts when they, they have done all kinds of things to, um, build up money for spending for school or earning a car. And these have been other, you know, financial things we've done that have really been, uh, great ways to both teach lessons around finance and at the same rate have opportunities to learn and grow. Uh, that skill set about fiscal responsibility. So that's been a fun journey as well. Do, do you add, so you have a form, as I know, and you do a daily check-in on the form, right? Yeah. And do you add uh, things like um, learning learning about investing or financial in the form? Or is there different exercises? Yeah. So the financial exercise, part of what we do every day and learning and saving check marks. So on Friday, we add up all the check marks and then it goes into mm -hmm. their bank account. Uh, they, if they save a hundred check marks without spending it, they can earn 25. That's pretty serious mm -hmm. interest. Now that was an early enticement. And when I tried to back off the interest rate, I got uh, a revolt from the, uh, <laughs> Uh, the peasants. So uh, I just, I they could know not, all about uh, compound interest. They're like that. That's, that's not yeah. on. <laughs> we keep the compound. <laughs> but literally today, you know, until they earn that hundred, they're not willing to spend. So it's um, it was, uh, the unintended, the intended consequence was to learn about saving. The unintended consequence is they love 25% interest. And, uh, yeah. uh, but more importantly, things like saving for a car or a big goal, we create a plan. And in the plan, there's okay. savings activities. So there is a grade bonus they can get for school. There is uh, activities they can, hey, dad, instead of having the landscaper once a month come pressure wash the patio, can I do that? Well, yeah, we have to mm -hmm. buy a pressure washer. Here's the cost of it. You can have your own little mini business and I'll pay you monthly to do that. And there's been that. There's been success story interviews. Go interview somebody and tell me about something you're interested in. It's a way to discover new mentors. There are these book reports we can give them. I'd love you to read this amazing book if you're willing. And if you provide a report, we'll grade the report uh, based on your effort and you can earn money for providing that. And all of this ends up going into a savings account for some big goal they have. So for the big boys, like once you get to about 13 and you know, car is in my future in three years, it's every one of them has gone down that journey a little bit and they save, I, you know, I'm looking at Harry's, document right now his goal was to save $34,000 for a car and you know simple things like this compounded weekly um helped him do that no of course i mean at that age i had like <laughs> zero uh, euros or deutschmarks in my account i spoke to a dad um i can't remember who it was actually but 
he had an issue with uh, checkmark systems because he said, uh, basically I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, the issue with checkmarks in his mind is that you're externalizing the reward and you be you are basically uh, rewarding a behavior. And once you take the, uh, the reward away, the behavior is not really intrinsic. What's your mm. response to that? Would you say that because of it, you do it for a long, long time, you actually instill the values? Or how do you see that point? I think there are a couple of things. Um, first of which, we're not giving a check mark for everything you do. There's a lot of things we do in the home because we're a member of the yeah. family in the home. And yeah. I think those are uh, come to be expected and they're not the key here fundamentally is we want to create a conversation with the boys that's meaningful and fun. And along the way, meaningful and fun uh, hidden below that, each of the things we're asking them to do are promoting some values that otherwise would not have a conversation for. So mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure my boys intentionally would look to do something nice for their brother and sister every single day of their life. And on the back of the form is a list just for guidance in case they, you know, are uh, not thinking of something that they have written. How many thank you notes have I? There's a list of uh, 15 things that you can do that are acts of kindness for others and brothers as examples. So they could always default to one of those. And, and I really don't, I'm not really concerned what it is. I just want them thinking about it every day. And they do. Yeah. And this is kind of, and the, and at some point it just becomes second nature. Now I would argue it wouldn't be a daily habit if it wasn't checked in every, every day, every once in a while. Yeah. It's his birthday. I'm going to do something nice for him. It's, but I love the conversations that have ensued what I get to watch. And the reason I know that it works is how do they behave when nobody's watching? Yeah. And it isn't as if the brothers don't have disputes and you know, the things that happen with siblings, but generally speaking, These are loving kids who, uh, and we've created some real relevance around kindness and purpose and thinking about others each day and thinking about their brothers and sisters each day is pretty special. And we can talk a little also about the complications of a blended family. So the three boys, when Mackenzie came in, it took a little bit for them to you know, accept and adopt Mackenzie. And she mm -hmm. has an extraordinary background, uh, having parents who, you know, not only separated, but maybe didn't make great choices on their, you know, second and third relationships. Mackenzie got to observe all of this as a kid. So coming into our family with three boys that she had to adopt, uh, emotionally, uh, she knew what that journey looked like for her and knew the role and had intuition around the long game which is initially they're going to feel like I felt skeptical, um, unconvinced of the right intentions, not good enough for my parent, not good enough for me. And eventually she won them over um, in just being very consistent. And I'm going to love you no matter how you behave. And I'm going to maintain a certain level of consistency in your life that you will come to appreciate. And eventually that occurred. And then when kids came in to the picture, when we had um, Rain was our first, uh, who's now, you know, a two-year-old. Uh, Rain, um, Benji, the eldest, kind of 
could take it or leave it. You know, we, dad's mm-hmm. having another. Harry was very offended. He um, he had a candid conversation with me where he said, I barely have enough time with you now, dad, as a dad. And um, I feel like you'll have less time for me. And it was a tearful thing because he didn't really, he, you know, he didn't get to vote on this, you know, don't mm-hmm. I get a say? And the yeah. simple answer was Harry actually, no, <laughs> you don't. Uh, how, and how old or, was he? Uh, so time. this would have been Harry at about 15, um, 14, yeah. 15 years old. And it just, it was a lot for him. It was a lot. First, the relationship with Mackenzie was he's, he has amazing relationship with his mom and um, it was just difficult for him at that age to see me in another relationship. It just, I think, mm-hmm. was difficult. And then I think after he got comfortable with that, I changed the game again. And um, what's great is I got to have this amazing conversation with Harry. And I think, uh, and the relevance of this is all those little conversations, whether it's check marks or brown chair moments, as we call them, where we kind of talk about problems or difficulties together. Uh, All of Mm -hmm. those yield these other very transparent conversations. Like I'm so proud that he was able to sit with me and um, unearth his true feelings and difficulties around this. And over time I needed to be super sensitive around my time and make sure that when Harry needs me, I'm there for him. So we will go on walks together. We will uh, find moments where, you know, he asked me, to participate in something that is important to him, he is going to be a top priority. And if I can't do something, we're going to have a conversation about it. And so that he doesn't feel like he's, you know, a different class citizen and every child needs to have that confidence that there's no favoritism. And so, you know, his preconceived notion was that this is not going to be good for me and not in my best interest. And Mm -hmm. it's just nice to see Harry come around. And so he was kind of the holdout and he's, you know, can see the joy in the young kids see and Andy, my youngest, who's 12 now. And at the time, I guess, you know, you roll back the clock three years ago, you know, nine or 10, we're having that. He was like all stoked to be a big brother and is a great big brother to reign. And they play all the time and it's really extraordinary. But the blending of the family and these cultures and values is far from simple. And it requires, you know, a dedicated, committed effort to, and there's no one right recipe, as you know, Philip, it's, uh, it's a matter of consistently moving forward an honest, transparent agenda, uh, one of love and caring and, Mm -hmm. uh, children spell love very differently than most people think it's spelled T I M E and, um, uh, focus on that mantra that they absolutely need. And those moments in time where you're, you're giving them your time, you need to be your best version of yourself. And uh, I'm not saying you're putting on a facade. What I am saying is like when I walk through the threshold of the door, no matter how stressful of day I've had, I look at that door threshold as um, the equivalent of, uh, you know, Superman going into a phone booth or one of the Star Trek carrier, you know, characters saying, beam me up. I'm <laughs> going from the office to best dad in the world. And the very first action I do is uh, remove my electronics. 
So both mm-hmm. on where we enter the mudroom and in my bedroom, I have a place where we lock up the, and I put the phone down and just try to be a hundred percent present for this little guy or gal, in some cases, big guys and gals that just are looking to have that special interaction time. And, um, even in, you know, when I take boys or girls to or from school, uh, if I have a call that conflicts with that time, I ask permission if I can take the call. And if the answer is no, like I want to go through my spelling words with you, unfortunately, the business call is not going to happen. And that's just mm. the way that is. And, and are I you want- really consequent with that? You do that Absolutely. all the time? Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of my biggest issues. I know it, but I'm obviously super screen addicted. Um, and I try to be very conscious of it, but what I heard now is you lock the phone away, <laughs> and I really like that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, a, it's it's a good hack because it's difficult, right? It yeah. really is difficult. I um, I remember one time uh, um, I was with uh, Richard Branson on his little island, and uh, his assistant Helen brought him his phone, and as soon as he was done with the call, he handed it back to Helen, and I said, Richard, could you explain what just happened there? He said, Yes, I can explain. I'm irresponsible with the phone. I go, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. He said, if I have it and it rings or it beeps, I immediately go to it. I interrupt great conversations and I can no longer be present. And I have learned that I cannot trust myself with this electronic. So I give it to Helen and she only gives it to me when I need it. And, Mm. but I thought to myself, I said, here's a guy being super honest. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, um, and if, uh, a real true, a crazy entrepreneur can admit his frailty there. I think we can all learn a lesson from that. And yeah, uh, I t- I've yeah. done it with my social media accounts and I've done it a year ago. I gave all my social media accounts to Carmen. Well, she changed all the passwords and changed the email to her email. And I haven't logged in since ever. And before it was unthinkable, but now I don't, I mean, I have the accounts still, but I don't need them. And, and she's not giving me the passwords. Originally I wanted um, the passwords only on Friday afternoon, and then Monday she was to change the the, the passwords back, uh, or again. But uh, I've never requested them, and so since it's just been locked up, and it works great. So removal, physical removal from the issue, actually works really well. Yeah, yeah. I've discovered the same thing. I remember telling Forum I was going to go on an internet diet, and they go, "What's that?" <laughs> I said, "I'm going to only do emails for an hour a day." Like real, like, and it isn't as if I'm talking about, you know, there are times where you have to author a letter and that could take multiple hours if it's sensitive. I'm really talking about the mm-hmm. click, reply, this, move it, mailbox. I'm going to do an hour a day. And they said, impossible. But mm. the truth of the matter is, it's totally possible. It's and very so possible. You, can, you can schedule it. I also uh, yeah. have a little tool called SaneBox and it just shoves stuff all over the place. And the most important stuff stays in my inbox. So my inbox is super clean. And, uh-huh. you know, if you're on the VIP list, you're going to make it in there. And then you only have really the critical people you need to look at. And within an hour, you can cl- you know, clearly designate, you know, what's going on, discern it, and then kind of move on to other things. And all of us have that challenge. And in this day and age, we're just inundated with great tools for productivity but they can either be your strength or your weakness. And it's pretty easy to get addicted to screen time and all of this. And we, our best self as a dad is six inches from that kid's nose in a heartfelt conversation that has nothing to do with a phone. 
And if you want to see one of the greatest videos ever made, um, type in uh, Disconnect to Connect uh, on YouTube. And you're going to see a Korean. Yeah, you don't have to do it now. But uh, you'll see a Korean communication company, a cell phone company, put out, I think, the greatest message in the world around uh, cell phone use and what it could mean to a parent uh, to put it down. And it will resonate with the words I said around transformation. So I go from this being the best guy at work I can be to all of the folks I get to support every day. And I transform myself into the best dad I can possibly be. And just remember, give yourself all the credit in the world to know that at this very moment, you know what you know, you have the heart you have. And as long as you're putting a hundred percent of yourself into that relationship, you're doing the best you can. So if we make a mistake, we don't have to look back at it with any sense of regret. We just look back at it that for the lesson that it taught you and that's it. And you move forward. And so what's great about what you're doing in this podcast is you're giving folks the opportunity to grab nuggets. And now, you know, yeah. a little bit more than you knew before you have a new tool you can try or leave behind. Uh, none of it's mandatory. And certainly I plagiarized from the best and brought the tools that I thought would help me and suited my, <laughs> you know, uh, skill set as a dad, but it was very intentional. And I put lots and lots of time into it and not because, um, I felt I was a bad person. Uh, it's just, I wanted to be the absolute best role model I could be, uh, in my terms. And I wasn't comparing myself to anyone else. Although I felt I had an unbelievable great dad. I, I'm not trying to be him. I'm trying to honor the things he taught me and be my best me. And all I have to do is be incrementally better than my former self yesterday and I'm super happy. Like if I get one golden nugget and maybe it's a reminder of something I've left on the cutting room floor by doing this, uh, grateful review with you, then I've, I've made that incremental move. And if we do that 365 days a, a year, there's no way you don't get a little better. And we don't have to look over our shoulder about what we regret because we're doing the best we can every single day. And if you really do that, if you really put that effort in, if you really give your 10 game, uh, it'll show and incrementally, um, all your outcomes will show too. And I'm not talking about what people talk about, you know, crazy. It's, it's every outcome. It's all the successes and hugging all the failures too. And, you know, uh, some of my best days were solving some of the most difficult problems with kids, just walking the journey with them. I relish in the conflicts and, and getting through them to the other side and having, two kids that at the end embrace each other. I forgive you. I clearly understand why you behave this way. And, you know, just navigating and marshalling, um, moderating that conversation for me, you know, and maybe I'm wired wrong or differently. Uh, but for me, that's a joyous I I experience. And some people would look at that as hard. And I think that's why it's really important to have, you know, that attitude preamble because how you look at that was that, a, a blessing or something I would rather not have done. I'm sure the kids go into a lot of this. And I, 
that was a complete waste of time. But from a dad's perspective, to see the embrace that happened at the end and clearly understanding and learning skills around conflict resolution in meaningful, peaceful ways, they have no idea what how valuable that is. And then later in life, they see other people don't resolve their conflicts that way. That's crazy. And they take it for granted. But you know what? For me, from a dad's perspective, I know what produced that. Uh, what produced that were these great intuitive values they have, and they leverage them in their interactions with others. And it's an extraordinary thing to see, even if it's not clearly recognized at the time. And I think I can even reflect back now very differently with a very different lens about the lessons my dad was trying to teach me. But back as a kid with a youthful brain, operating with the rules and standards I knew at the time, uh, I had a very different understanding of what the role he was playing was and how critically important it was in the development of me. And um, I, for one, you know, I, I started this conversation with one of the greatest gifts my father ever gave me was to believe in my impossible. You know, that thing I think I couldn't do you know, there's another way to say it, you know, everything is possible, but I think kids in their mind, um, look in the mirror and they're at times their greatest advocates and they see all kinds of possibilities for themselves and, um, they explore different journeys. But I also think we are at times our own saboteurs and we put limits on our ability to do things. And, you know, I think early on, I, I just distinctively remembering times where I would say, I don't think I can do that. There'd be this great conversation about if you don't believe in your ability to achieve the impossible, nobody will do that for you, Ben. And mm -hmm. you just need to look in the mirror and tell yourself that it's possible. The question is, are you willing to put in the effort, the time and the energy it takes to do it? That's the question you should ask yourself. Yeah, I was going to say everything is possible if you're willing to do the work. Yeah, that is 100% uh, right. true. Ben, we're pretty much, we're at 50 minutes. We have time still, no stress. Okay. Do you, is there, uh, is there anything that you want to share where you haven't gone yet? Otherwise I want to ask, um, your different perspectives. If there, if there are, we didn't discuss this uh, before in, in, in your two marriages as a dad, can mm -hmm. you, can you p put a finger on it or did you have different perspectives as a father for instance did you always do check marks and then suddenly or does it really um evolve or you said it evolved over time and you've done it before but can you share a little bit what the differences were and in the particular around you as a dad in those two relationships as a father yeah okay so I think the thing that is vitally different is in my first three children and in the first marriage, I was on a quest for building parenting skills. And mm -hmm. I think that journey uh, largely um, was one that I was on and then would, in a healthy way, share the journey uh, with my wife at the time and see what was applicable for adoption because unless we were both doing it together, it would never work. And yeah. so, but it was a day-to-day -day journey and it was lots of reading and lots of different mentors and points of light. And I have developed a, a lot of the, what I would call my parenting curriculum uh, tools. Mm -hmm. 
I think what's different now is um, I really feel a different level of confidence as a parent and a dad, having seen my kids go from infant to my first has left for college. Um, I now have young kids again, uh, two, one, and one incubating. And I really believe um, this is going to be an extraordinary journey with Mackenzie, who has seen my entire blueprint and is already adding to it in dynamic ways. Mm -hmm. And I think she is on her journey um, on developing a curriculum and how I want to parent children. And we're living in a very unusual time now, too. The whole COVID period has created the necessity for a lot more intimacy around teaching and learning. And, you know, the kids are home a lot more. I see this dynamically with parents and there is more online things. And it's really challenging parents because you spend a lot more time with your kids than you otherwise would in sort of traditional schooling capacity. And Mackenzie has had some very interesting observations around what might education look like. For, and it's just opened up and conjured very unique possibilities, um, including, uh, you know, to some extent, uh, the concept of possibly homeschooling uh, the kids mm -hmm. and having uh, the ability to be a little bit more um, mobile. And at this point, it's all just, I think, super healthy conversations and, uh, I just think it's been great for in the first four years uh, of our journey together before we had kids together. Um, she had a front row seat of sort of my parenting and her co-parenting of the three older boys. And now that she's now going to be a mom three times over as well, it has um, created uh, a very lively and healthy journey for her as a mom very similar to the one that I was on with the first three kids. And um, it's just uh, the dynamics of that, I think, are extraordinarily positive. And I think what's going to come of this is a real uplift of the tools I have and um, maybe some unique things that we haven't even discovered of together. And on the checkmark side of things, uh, Mackenzie, with some of the boys, was inspired by this idea. Benji once had this business idea of creating an online app for the check marks and Mackenzie actually took that on as a sideline project and an exit. We have a parent and child portal and a check mark app um, in, in, in version one, but it's pretty extraordinary. They can check in online and you can do that. And it's creates the same conversation. It's just, you know, you yeah. can use your mobile phone to do it. Um, so it, it's been, it's been just an extraordinary journey. Oh, thank you. This is so powerful. I could do this for hours. Is there anything else you want to share? Because otherwise we'll pretty much wrap it up. Yeah, I think um, in general, mm -hmm. having uh, a defined set of family values, I think is really important. And mm -hmm. I think there is also a, a really great exercise that you can do with your kids around personal brand that I think is worth favorable mention as we close the call. Mm -hmm. And Oftentimes, kids feel like they fall in the shadow of the parents and almost everything you do has to go through authorization. And I think uh, we have the ability to give kids the knowledge that they actually control who they are and what they're going to grow up to be. 
And one of the things that I think aligns really great with value conversations is this whole little exercise around personal brand. And what I like to tell kids is that every single day, uh, whether they like it or not, they have a brand. It's, you know, what are the three words that most people would think of if they were going to describe to you? And what would you want them to be? And so if you ask your top 25 friends, just write down three words that best describe me. Would you like them to say mean, you know, short in patience and, you know, inconsiderate? Um, would those be the words you'd like them to say? What would the words you'd like them to say be? And of course, you get them to write them down. I said, how do you think that's going to happen? Where we interview the 25 closest friends you had, and they'd all kind of say the same thing. Because today, whether you like it or not, you have what we call an unintentional brand. It's a brand, but you don't think about it a lot. You just behave the way you do, and people like you for what they like you for. Imagine this. In less than a minute a day, you could create a brand that's consistent with what you want it to be. And all you have to do is take your pen out of your pocket and write on a piece of paper three words that best describe your best self as a person. And we've done these exercises uh, in great places. You know, we, you know, we're out in the woods, we're on a retreat, we're, and each of the kids have like, you know, uh, one time we wrote them on, the, on a stick or a rock and brought it home. And, but they can change it anytime they want. You can, it's yours. And more importantly, it's nothing you have to ask me permission for. And mm. so if you want to be honest, courageous, and intelligent, all you have to do is every single day, right before you wake up, look at the three words and say, how can I best align my behaviors today with being that for everyone? And eventually, that's what they see in you. And um, what's really great is it gets them starting to think that I'm in control of me and my outcomes I'm also in control of. How people perceive me is not their fault. It's my fault yeah. uh, or super my powerful. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that recently. I do, as you know, I do keynote speaking on, on building successful families, especially yeah. around empowering dads. And I've asked, I went through a public speaking course. And in that course, I had to ask 10 or 15 people how they would describe me in five words, uh, best friends and family and wife. And, and actually not all of it was so great. Or let's say some of it was a little bit challenging that came back, you know, impatience and these kind of things. You go, okay, yeah, it's probably true. But to teach that principle um, to a child and to make it, it's so tangible when you say you have your own personal brand and, and yeah, really, really well done. Great, great nugget right there. <laughs> Bingo, well, definitely one of my key takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moreover than that, I really appreciate what you're doing, uh, Philip. It's a, an extraordinary uh, labor of love that you are engaged in fully. I Thank commend you. the gift you're giving to so many dads. And at any point in time, I welcome any conversation. So thank you for allowing me to participate. Thank you, Ben. It was an honor to have you on. And yeah, thank you for sharing. And, and uh, hopefully it wasn't the last time. No, I'm sure not. And uh, thank you again. Super. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you liked this session. If you did, please share this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this. Make no mistake, your shares are meaningful and they drive our success. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening in. Hope to catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Ciao.